Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This presentation of the Sports Wrap-Up Show is brought to you in part by Nonstop Media Group, EJP Entertainment, and all of the good people out there who has tuned in and listening to this presentation of the show. Hi, everybody. Once again, it's your boy Emilio Wackbar, and I want to say thank you to each of you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to join me here on a brand new presentation of the Sports Wrap-Up Show. If you haven't done so yet, please make sure you go following me on Twitter at my personal Twitter page, at the Emilio Wackbar. I would love to hear from you, so feel free to leave a comment. Let me know how you feel about today's show, and let me know whether or not you agree or disagree with some of the takes that you're going to be hearing today on this presentation. But I want to say thank you to those of you who had taken the time out to check out the first episode of this podcast last week. We kicked off in dramatic fashion covering week one of the NFL. And I'm going to just make sure I put that out there for everybody that we're not going to be so centric just, you know, talking New York sports and talking about, you know, just football in general. This sports wrap-up show we're going to cover a multitude of topics, but as I'm starting to get my legs underneath of me, you know, being that this is the first time I'm taking a trip on this particular journey doing sports coverage, please just bear with me. You know what I'm saying? Because it's I'm new to this. Those are true, those of you out there who has gotten yourself familiar with me and the content that I put out for the last seven years, most of the content that I put out have been primarily based around the music industry. For those of you out there who haven't had a chance to do so yet, then I invite you to go check out my radio show called The Nonstop Radio Show. And you can also go check out my other show, The Emilio Wackball Show, available now on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com forward slash nonstop-radio-show. Or for those of you out there who would like to go over to YouTube and support the channel, do so by going to EJP Entertainment. And be sure to subscribe to the channel, hit the notification bell to stay up to date when we are dropping brand new content, and also be sure to like, share, and comment on the videos to let us know exactly what you think about our content. And with that being said, for those of you out there who would like to be a guest on the show, we will be more than lucky or more than welcome to have you. So please send us an inquiry to our email at Let's Network Musically. 212 at gmail.com. Once again, that's Let's Network Musically. 212 at gmail.com. Only thing we ask is that serious inquiries flood our email and also let us know, once again, how you feel about the show. So, once again, that's Let's Network Musically. 212 at gmail.com. Serious inquiries only. And with that being said, man, I am definitely delighted to be here with you once again. I am doing something that I really enjoy doing, and that's talking sports. I love to talk about football. I love to talk about basketball. I love to talk about baseball, hockey, lacrosse, any of the sports that I'm into, you name it. I am always delighted to have a conversation with like minds or people out there that may know more than I do and even have some friendly discussions and debates with people that do not agree particularly with my takes. But I must admit, Nothing gets my blood flowing like talking about football. Yes. America's game, ladies and gentlemen. Everybody out there who's listening to this show, well, at least most of you, love football like I do. I'm talking about the high school level, the college ranks, the professional level. Nothing gets my blood flowing like seeing an 11 on 11 on that gridiron 
lined up against one another with hard-hitting tackles, great passes, great running, some of the most ridiculous blocks and plays that you ever see in any sport whatsoever, you won't find that excitement anywhere else but the game of football. Having played football myself as a quarterback in high school and a safety on the defensive side of the ball, yes, this is my game right here, folks. But with that being said, thank you to each and every one of you, man. I'm glad that you're here to listen to me ramble on for the next, I'm going to say a half hour, maybe 45 minutes. I'm going to try not to keep you long. But as you all know, out there that are listening right now, week two of the NFL season has just wrapped up. And we're going to cover one of the topics that are near and dear to my heart, and that is the New York Jets. Yes, now I know there's a lot of naysayers, there's a lot of doubters, and there's a lot of people out there that are overly critical of this team's successes early on in the regular season. And we're going to get into that too. We got a lot of things to talk about covering the Jets following this 30-10 to 10 ass-whipping that we suffered at the hands of the Dallas Cowboys, falling to 1-1 one one on the season and improving the Dallas Cowboys record to 2-0. There's a lot of different things to talk about here today. Most notably is going to be the offensive line. People are talking about the situation with Zach Wilson now giving the keys once again to be the quarterback to lead this franchise to the promised land. And there's a lot of people out there that is talking a lot of senselessness right now following Zach Wilson's performance in yesterday's game. Now, I understand, you know, there's a lot of people out there that are still snake bitten with Zach Wilson's 2022-23 performance. And I understand, you know, given the fact that Zach was benched, you know, halfway through the season in favor of Mike White. I understand why there's a lot of people out there that has question marks surrounding the future of Zach Wilson and exactly how far he can lead this team, given the amount of weapons that we have acquired over the offseason, most notably being Aaron Rodgers. But we have to wait a little bit to see how that's going to pan out with Aaron Rodgers under center here for the green and white. But with that being said, with all of you out there, who are talking right now and everybody out there that want to be Monday morning quarterbacks and just go off of the rails without really breaking down and analyzing the game, then I got a news flash for you. Zach Wilson was not the reason why we lost that game to the Dallas Cowboys. I'm going to say it again. Zach Wilson was not the reason why we lost the game to the Dallas Cowboys. I know a lot of you out there are going to look at me side-eye. And a lot of you out there are going to feel some side way. And a lot of you out there are probably throwing a mouthful of insults my direction right about now. And if you're doing so, I would love to hear from you. Once again, follow me on Twitter at the Emilio Wagbar. You can send me an email to Let's Network Musical.ly 212 at gmail.com. And I will even read some of the comments and the remarks that I've gotten from some of you on the air when we do the next show. But with that being said, you know, yes, I truly believe that Zach Wilson was not the reason why we lost the game to the Dallas Cowboys. Now, far be it from me, I am not the one to sit there and blow smoke up anybody's tuckish whatsoever, but I will give credit where credit is due. 
Dallas played a much better, more composed game than the New York Jets did yesterday in that game. A lot of y'all may beg the different. A lot of y'all may not agree, and that is fine. But this team, the New York Jets, we had some very questionable moments, and we also had some moments that we can take away from that game and build upon. Now, before we get any further, we're going to give you some stats. Of course, everybody out there know the game Ended with the final score of 30 to 10 in Dallas. Once again, we dropped to one and one on the season with Dallas improving to two and all. Dak Prescott finished with a game high 255 passing yards on 31 for 38 passing attempts. He went with a 112 passer rating and he also finished the game getting sacked only one time. The rushing game for Dallas was led by Tony Pollard. He got 25 carries for 72 yards. And C.D. Lamb was just unstoppable yesterday, racking up 11 catches, 143 yards, no touchdown. But the most notable play C.D. Lamb made was a 31-yard reception in the second quarter of the game that kind of got Dallas on a roll, ultimately taking them to you know, victory, and also, you know, it snowballed from then on on. But also, we also got to remember in the first half or the first quarter, the very first drive, Dallas got the ball, took it the length of the field, and punched it in for a touchdown with a touchdown pass from Dak Prescott to Jake Ferguson, the tight end, on a six-yard reception to give the Cowboys a 7-0 and advantage. Now, on the Jets' side of the, of the stat table, we have Zach Wilson, he went 12 for 27, finishing well, 170 yards, one touchdown, three interceptions, was sacked three times, and finished with a rating of 38.1. A lot of people out there that didn't really watch the game will look at that and say that he played terrible. But once again, we're going to get to it in just a few as to the reason why I say Zach Wilson was not to blame for us losing this game. Now, with this next thing, I want everybody to take note of the New York Jets' rushing attack. Zach Wilson led the team yesterday with five carries, 36 yards, longest being a 16-yard run and averaging 7.2 yards per carry. Brees Hall, just coming back off of an ACL injury, got four carries for nine yards, when last week he had 10 carries for 127 yards. Also, let's point out that Michael Carter, two carries, eight yards. Dalvin Cook, four touches, seven yards. And Ashton Davis got one carry for four yards. I don't know how that got there, but hey, shout out to him. So make note of the rushing attack. Now we move on to the passing. Garrett Wilson, two catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. The biggest play of the game for the Jets was a 68-yard receiving touchdown by Garrett Wilson from Zach Wilson that got the Cow, I mean, excuse me, that got the Jets within eight points before the halftime. Also, Tyler Conklin, five catches for 50 yards. Alan Lazard, two catches for 23 yards. Nicole Hardman, one catch for six yards. And Dalvin Cook, one for five. And Michael Carter, the aforementioned running back, one for three. Now, look at the disparity in the, in the distribution of the New York offense. A lot of people out there 
<laughs> a lot of people out there, you know, they want to put the blame on Zach Wilson. And I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, he didn't make a couple of boneheaded plays throughout the course of the game. But for the first part of the, for the first half, I should say, he played pretty well. I mean, we had something going late in the second quarter on a two-minute drive before halftime, which netted us a field goal to bring the game within 10 to 18 yesterday before the halftime. But then after that, it was a whole different sell going forward. Dallas jumped out to a quick lead. I mean, uh, Dallas jumped out to extend the lead. At this point, it was 24 to 10. You know, scoring six points in the, in the third quarter. But the game was still within reach. But for those of you out there who listened to last week's show, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it for all of y'all out there who didn't hear me well enough last week. Nathaniel Hackett has got to be better with putting this offense in a position to play winning football. I'm going to say it again louder for the people in the back. Nathaniel Hackett has got to be better in putting our players with the current roster that we have in position to play winning football. For those of you out there who watched the Dallas Cowboys offensive attack, they was very balanced. They kept the team off balance. They kept the defense off balance. They kept moving and change methodically with little donkers, running running, running uh, plays and, you know, screen passes, bubble screen passes to the wide receivers, screen passes to the running back. They kept our defense off balance. And another thing was we couldn't sustain a drive offensively long enough for this team to even get something established. I mean, it was just pretty, it was pretty horrific. I mean, it was pretty horrific. What we know, what we witnessed in that game yesterday, you know, and a lot of people out there may say otherwise, but it's the truth. It was pretty terrible. Time of possession: Dallas had the ball for 42 minutes and 15 seconds, where us, on the other hand, we only had the ball for 17 minutes and 45 seconds. You cannot win a game if your defense is on the field for majority of the game. And that goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the game. I mean, at the beginning of the show, there is still plenty of question marks to be had or a lot of questions that need to be answered with this offensive line. You know, I'll give credit to the Dallas defense. The Dallas defense did not give the New York Jets offense any time to get any rhythm established. Michael Parsons was looking like the second coming of Lawrence Taylor yesterday throughout that game. Even though I called him Von Miller, but I will take it a step further with the way our offensive line played poorly. He looked like the second coming of Lawrence Taylor. And I hate to say that because I never want to give nobody that echelon of a a compliment unless it, it is true. And Michael Parsons is a great player. He's going to be a Hall of Fame player by the end of his career if he can stay healthy and also, just saying also, if Dallas happens to get a championship, he would definitely go down as one of the greatest Cowboys in team history. So I will give that to him. But we've seen no kind of adjustments made by the offensive coordinator 
we didn't see any attempts to neutralize his impact on the game. We didn't see no double teams. We didn't see any line protection sliding towards the point of attack. We seen none of it. For the most part of the game, Zach Wilson was on the run for the biggest parts of that game. He never had a chance to really set up and get comfortable until the aforementioned two-minute drill where they had a little rhythm moving forward, going and driving the ball down the field, ultimately coming up with three points to bring the game within eight going into the half. I will also admit that our defense, it could also be attributed to the defense being out on the field too long and having to, you know, stay on the field and keep the team in the game. But the defense also cost us a few plays with some untimely, costly mistakes on the Dallas's drive that scored them a touchdown before we got the ball back and got the field goal. At that point, it was 7 to 18. And if it hadn't been for those bad roughing the passer calls, if it hadn't been for those bad passing appearance calls, chances are we would have held Dallas to only three points before the half. And if we would have held them to three points before the half, then we could have went into this thing tied up at 10 at the halftime. But it didn't happen because of the costly mistakes that gave them more better field position and ultimately put them in a position to score. Dallas, for the game, finished with 382 total yards to our 215. We have four turnovers to Dallas's zero turnovers. And Dallas had 26 first downs compared to our 12. <laughs> You're not going to win a football game like that. You're not going to win a football game when your defense is on the field for majority of the game. You're not going to win a game when the offense cannot establish a rhythm. There was no rhythm whatsoever with this team. The playbook looked very manila. I don't know if that was by design or whether or not that they just came into this game. I don't know. I don't know if they just came into this game and they got too nervous about the Dallas defense. And the Dallas defense, yes, they're probably one of the top five defenses right now. I would say right now they're the number one defense in all of football right now, only having given up 10 points in the last two games and having outscored their opponents 70 to 10 in the last in the first two games of the regular season. Both of them happen to be our beloved New York teams. But like I said, this offense has got to be better going forward. We cannot continue to keep blaming Zach Wilson each and every time the offense doesn't play well. And a lot of people out there, especially a lot of people online right now that call themselves fans of this team, have it in the back of their mind that Zach Wilson is the problem. No, he is not. He is not the problem. If anybody out there paying attention to football realizes and understands what is going on, then you will know that the offensive line, let me say that again, the offensive line was the problem in this game. The play calling was the problem in this game. The clock management was a problem in this game. And a lot of people may not agree with me, but the offensive line, it doesn't matter who you put back there at quarterback. If you cannot keep your quarterback upright, and give him time to go through his progressions and make the proper throw, the correct throw, then this is what you're going to get. 
this is exactly what you're going to get. In the last, in the first two games of the season, the Jets' offense have only mustered 14 points, not including the field goal, not including the heroics by Xavier Gibson in game one of the regular season. Take all that away. This team has only put up 14 points. That is not good. You're not going to win games if you cannot score. And that's what we're seeing right now. And a lot of it is because we're not getting a lot of protection for our quarterbacks. Now, I'm going to go and I'm going to read this post from Dove Kleiman on Twitter. You can follow him at NFL underscore Dove, D-O-V, Kleiman, K-L-E-I-M-A-N. He states, already four in his act. Four INTs for Zach Wilson this season. The Jets roster is too talented to let Wilson ruin it. The team should sign a free agent to compete with him, but who should it be? And the list that he has listed here on his tweet starts with Cam, or excuse me, Carlson Wentz, Cam Newton, Joe Flacco, who was a backup quarterback on the team last season, Colin Kaepernick, that ship has sailed. You can hang it up. He's never coming back to the NFL, so please let the pipe dream go. Excuse me. Also now we got Josh Rosen, who was a bust. We got Matt Ryan, who said he's not officially retired. Chase Daniel, Nick Foles, Kellerman, Bryce Perkins, Trevor Simeon, Danny Etling, Colt McCoy, Ian Book, Matt Barkley, Brett Hundley. Those are the quarterbacks listed on that list that they feel as though we should attempt to sign for the rest of the regular season to either back up Zach Rock or Zach Wilson or to put Zach Wilson back on the bench because they feel as though he did that bad. What game are you guys watching? Say perhaps we do go and grab either of those quarterbacks, any of those quarterbacks. What makes you think that any of them will last or do a much better job behind that line of scrimmage. Dwayne Brown, our starting left tackle, got his lunch ate by Michael Parsons. Makai Becton, I don't know if you can attribute it to him still recovering from knee surgery or his injury from last year. He looked a step slow. He looked overmatched. Both of our tackles, right and left tackles, Dwayne Brown, Makai Becton looked awful yesterday. And we couldn't stop anybody on that defensive front from applying pressure on Zach Wilson yesterday. So put any of those quarterbacks, even if you put Cam Newton back there, he is not going to fare well with that offensive line. So if we're talking about anything that need to be improved, it has got to be the offensive line. At this point in time, I'm trying to make some trades to see if we can get somebody in. Or I'm going to the free agent wire to see who is available that could come in and shore up that offensive line. Once we get that stabilized, then we may have a better argument and a better chance, you know, for this team to be successful. But as it stands right now, with that offensive line, it's going to be a rough season for whoever you have back there calling signals it's going to be a rough season for anybody that plays quarterback for the New York Jets. And whether you agree or not, that is cool. 
But I would love to hear from you. Once again, you can follow me on Twitter at the Emilio Wegball, or you can send me an email to Let's Network Musically 212 at gmail.com. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a look into next week's game for the New York Jets. And on the schedule, if I can get there in time, on the schedule next week, we have a date with the New England Patriots. Now, right now, the New England Patriots are starting the regular season 0-2 for the first time in a long time that I can remember. I don't really pay attention to the Patriots like that. They're both coming off losses to the Philadelphia Eagles and also to the Miami Dolphins by a total of um, by a total of 12 points, losing 25 to 20 to the New England, uh, to the Philadelphia Eagles and they lost last night 24 to 17 to the Miami Dolphins. Now, a lot of people would think that going into this matchup that we will have the upper hand, given that the Patriots are 0-2. But this is a team we cannot overlook. We have not won a game against the Patriots in the last eight years, if I'm not mistaken. So with that being said, this is a game right here, I would say, is, I'm not going to call it a must-win, but it's definitely a statement game. This is definitely a game where we have to come out and we have to be better than the game we played against the Buffalo Bills, which was a very emotional game, to say the least. But we can't have a letdown like we did against Dallas in this game against the Patriots. Now, coming into this, you know, this game, you got Mac Jones, the starting quarterback for the New England Patriots. He is currently 66 of 96 passing for 547 yards, four touchdowns, two interceptions, compared to Zach Wilson's 26 for 48 for 310, two touchdowns, four interceptions. The Russian attack is led by Stevenson. They're running back with 27 carries, 75 yards, and one touchdown. And us, Brees Hall with 14 carries and 138 carries. And also on the receiving side, Henry for the Patriots, 11 receptions, 108 yards for two touchdowns. Garrett Wilson, seven, seven receptions for 117 yards and two touchdowns. And going back real quick, there's another point that I forgot to bring up during the whole debacle of a game that is that Dallas Cowboy game. How do you only give your star running back four carries for the game? And all of Brees Hall's carries came in the first half of that game. So this goes back to what I said. We did not even attempt to neutralize that Dallas pass rush by keeping the defense honest with running plays. We barely ran the ball in the second half of the game. We didn't even give the offense a time or a chance to establish a run against the defense. So, of course, it left it there for the front seven to be able to just pin their ears back and go after the quarterback because we had nothing to keep them honest. Four carries for Brees, Shaw, for Brees Hall, who just a week ago got you 127 yards on 10 carries. You mean to tell me that on that offensive play sheet, 
that you cannot call up more than four running plays for this man? You have got to be kidding me. Dalvin Cook. I can understand if you don't give him as many carries, being that we just signed him at the start of the season. But still, for us to only have our two-headed running back monster combination, only have eight total carries amongst them, that is absurdly ridiculous. And I don't understand how you as an offensive play caller, you as an offensive coordinator, abandon the run so early in the game to go with a passing attack that wasn't even able to establish any kind of rhythm because nobody on that offensive front could block any of the Dallas defenders or pass rushers from getting to the quarterback. So how is it that you abandoned the run? Didn't even give Zach Wilson much of an opportunity to establish himself with the run. And there was an interesting stat going into this game against the Cowboys that I saw where Zach Wilson last season and even this season was undefeated with Brees Hall as the starting quarter, uh, running back. He was 5-0 and up until the game against Dallas. And the fact that you took that weapon away from the offense made it real easy for that Dallas defense. But I'm not taking away nothing from the Dallas defense. Yes, they are very talented. And like I said, they're probably the top, the number one defense in the whole entire league right now. But when your offensive coordinator does not try to even establish a run, it doesn't matter if we only got one yard, two yards, maybe even three, four, five yards on a carry. Just the simple fact that the threat of running the ball still exists for the defense to have to worry about was what should have been done. I don't care if you got to get the ball on some draw plays or some delayed handoffs or some stretch zone plays or even on some, some carries by the quarterback, design quarterback runs, being that Zach Wilson can move around a little bit. I don't see why we abandon the run completely in the second half. So when it comes down to it, this Jets coaching staff has got to figure out a way to get this offense on track. It can't be a big play offense. I said that last week. It cannot be a big play offense with the current state of our offensive line. Now, I would give them the benefit of the doubt. It's early in the season. It's only two games in. So I'm not going to sit here and say that the season is completely lost when it comes down to it. Sometimes teams need time to gel. And this is a big part of the reason why I said and why I feel to this day why preseason matters so much because it gives these guys a chance to develop a chemistry and develop a rhythm when it comes to game situations. I know you want to protect the players. I know you want to keep the players from getting injured. I get that. And I understand it wholeheartedly and completely, especially given the time now that injuries happen more frequently than what they have in past times, in my opinion. But this whole going through the whole entire preseason without playing your starters and not giving them a chance to get game time experience, it ultimately causes the team in the long run, especially at the beginning of the season. Because by the time they start getting the rhythm, it looks like it's too late.
hopefully it's not going to be too late. And I truly do believe that this team is going to get it together. And I'm going to say by the end of the season, we're going to be playing some really good football. We understand that, you know, the first six games of this season is going to be a very difficult test for the New York Jets going into the season to start off. Our first two games against the Bills and the Cowboys. Our next four games are against the Patriots, which is this Sunday, against the Chiefs, against the Broncos, and against the Philadelphia Eagles. And then we got dates with the Giants, the Chargers, the Raiders, before going back to Buffalo again. So in, in hindsight, the first, I should say, let me see, the first nine games of this regular season is going to be tough. The first 10 games of this regular season is going to be tough. But you have got to put this offense in a position to establish some kind of momentum going forward. Can't just put it all in Zach, Zach Wilson's hands and expect that he is going to be the savior of this offense. We have got to get him in a position where we are playing to his strengths. I'm going to say that again. We need to craft the offense to play to the strengths of Zach Wilson. It's that simple. It doesn't get no simpler than that. And what I mean by playing to his strengths, draw up plays, script the game plan around what he does best. And that's rolling out, the quick hitters, getting the ball downfield. But he cannot hold on to the ball for more than three seconds. It's got to be an offense now where he's getting rid of the ball to minimize the pass rush. And if that's on little quick screens, little outlets, little dumps in the flats to the running back, to little you know plays over the middle with the tight end, and then even taking your shots downfield, and so be it. But he cannot hold on to the ball for more to, than three to five seconds if we're going to be successful in this passing game with the offensive line that we have currently right now. And like I said, it's still early. They're still getting their legs underneath of them, so I will give them the benefit of the doubt. The season still is not lost, but there's a lot of different things that has got to go into effect for this team to be successful. And one of the biggest things we got to do is we got to rely on the offense to take some of the pressure off of our defense. Yes, we got a great defense, but the defense didn't look so great yesterday because of how long they was on the field. And by the middle of the second quarter, it was obvious the defense was tired. So when you get a tired defense on the field, that's when you start to see a lot of the boneheaded plays that could have been avoided. And those plays would have been avoided if we would have established some drives that we was able to sustain and move the ball downfield. And that's basically what is going to have to be for this next game against the Patriots. Because Bill Belichick, he's had our number for the last eight years, and he's going to look to continue more of that dominance going against us this season. So we got to come out, we got to come out with a very, 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 very good game plan against that New England defense because that New England defense, if it got a chance to take away what you do best, which they like to do with every team, they take away what you do best, we have got to do something. We got to throw a few new wrinkles in there. And Robert Sala, Nathan Hackett, Nathaniel Hackett, excuse me, you guys have got to come up with a better scheme going into New England week. This is Patriots week. This is the biggest, one of the biggest weeks of our season. Even though it's just the third week of the season. 
But we got these guys at home, and we have to make a statement. It's a rivalry game. It's a comp- if it's, it's divisional opponent. Right now, we're one and only in the division. If we can get a win over the Patriots going into week four against the defending champion Kansas City Chiefs to move to 2-0 in the division, then I like our chances for the rest of the year. But with that being said, we have got to game plan a lot better for this New England Patriots team. They're coming in 0-2. They're coming in 0-2. So they're going to come in hungry looking to get a win against the Jets. And if we don't come and we don't bring it this next game, then it's going to be very difficult from here forward. But with that being said, I'm going to give you some league, um, some scores from around the league. The Philadelphia Eagles defeat the Minnesota Vikings 28-34. The rival Buffalo Bills knock off the Las Vegas Raiders 38-10. My second favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens, looking pretty good here early on in the regular season, defeat the Cincinnati Bengals 27-24 on the road. The aforementioned Kansas City Chiefs knock off the Jacksonville Jaguars in Jacksonville, 17-9. Also, we got the Los Angeles Chargers falling to the Tennessee Titans, 27-24. Green Bay loses a heartbreaker in Atlanta to the Falcons, 24-25. Seattle defeats Detroit, 37-31. Indianapolis versus Houston in a matchup of first-round selected rookie quarterbacks wins Against the Colts, I mean the Texans, 31-20. to Chicago loses to Tampa Bay, 27-17. to The aforementioned New York Giants win a dramatic come-from-behind fashion, 31-28 to over the Arizona Cardinals. We also have the San Francisco 49ers defeating the Los Angeles Rams, 30-23. to The Washington Commanders defeat the Denver Broncos, 35 to 33, and the aforementioned New England Patriots lose to the divisional rival Miami Dolphins, 24 to 17. Now I want to go to that game, New York Giants versus the Arizona Cardinals. Now some people had this as a must-win game early in the season. I said not so fast. Pump your brakes. I didn't feel. The Giants was in must-win mode already in the regular season. We're just two games in already. Yes, it was very important that they got this win on the road. Nobody wants to start off in an 0-2 hole to begin the regular season. But I didn't count the Giants out whatsoever. Now, I knew Arizona was going to play them tough. Traditionally, the Cardinals has always played the Giants pretty tough in any matchup they've had over the last few seasons, maybe even over the last decade. But I didn't see no way that the Giants was going to come away from this playing poorly as they did against the Dallas Cowboys. They got 31 points up on the board. Daniel Jones finished with 321 yards on 26 uh, completions, 37 attempts. With two touchdowns, one intersection, sacked three times, and finished with a 103.5 passer rating. Joshua Dobbs, the filling quarterback for the Cardinals, finished 21 of 31 with 228 yards, one touchdown, no interceptions, and no sacks with a 99.9 passer rating. Saquon Barkley, the aforementioned star running back, finished with 17 carries, 63 yards, one touchdown. And has been lost for three weeks now with the injury to his right ankle. 
And also, James Conner for the Arizona Cardinals finished with 23 carries, 106 yards, and one touchdown. The team looked pretty solid on both sides of the ball yesterday. You know, but it was a dramatic come-from-behind win. They shut out the Cardinals in the fourth quarter, outscoring them 17 to nothing to get the come-from-behind win. So that was definitely a great, a great, game by the Giants coming back after not scoring in the first quarter. I mean, the first half being down 20 to nothing, they outscored the Cardinals 31 to eight in the second half of the game. So congratulations to the New York Jets. I mean, Giants, congratulations to them. They've improved to one and one on the season and the Arizona Cardinals, they dropped to 0-2. And with that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we are going to wrap up this presentation of the sports rap here tonight. Once again, it's your boy Emilio Wackbar. And for those of y'all out there, once again, please feel free to follow me on Twitter at my personal Twitter page at the Emilio Wackbar. We'll definitely love to hear from you. Until next time, y'all, be safe out there. We'll talk again soon.